Thank you, thank you, Reverend Lee. Good morning, everyone. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Indeed, indeed, what a joy it is. I also greet those worshipping online with us, and I pray that the Lord's peace and grace will be with you. Uh, today is Track Conference Sunday, and as Reverend Lee has rightly put, Track Conference Sunday is a celebration of the connectional uh, relationship that we have as one track conference. And so PICs are assigned to preach at different churches. And so I bring you greetings from the pastors, the leaders, and the congregation at Westy Methodist. And it's truly my privilege to be able to share God's word with you today. I come back here and it's a familiar ground for me because I see many familiar faces. Many of the young adults now who used to be used a part of the trackers program, which I had the privilege of being involved in. And I also had the privilege of doing my TTC internship right here at Amokyo when I learned so much from the fellow leaders, the pastors, especially Pastor Stanley Chua, who was the PIC then. Let's go to God in prayer, shall we? Let's just surrender this time to the Lord. Come, O Lord, and be glorified in the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray you purify my lips and you purify all our hearts. Give us grace to not just hear your word, but to be doers of your word. Thank you, Lord. We commit this time to you, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. How time flies. It's already November, and one more month, and it's the end of the year. I remember starting the year with a gift. I got COVID on 2nd January. I had just preached five sermons over the weekend, and I was exhausted. Then COVID hit me real hard. From someone who had the voice to preach five times, I lost my voice immediately overnight. There was a burning sore throat. I was down with bad headaches. And so I started the year feeling really weak, really helpless. It was a very humbling start for me. But yet I experienced the power of God's word come alive. For in our weakness, we are strong. And today, if you are going through a season of feeling helpless, feeling weak, feeling tired, because of a trial that you may be going through, because of a sickness that you're wrestling with, I want to encourage you with God's word today. And I pray that the scripture text today will bring a lesson for all of us because there is indeed a divine strength in our weakness. And the scripture text is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 10. Please allow me to read God's word. Paul writes, I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which men may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, 
But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, in trying to look at this text, context is really important. At the time when the letter was written to the church in Corinth, there was a rival group which opposed Paul. They were criticizing his ministry. And this rival group was a group of false teachers. They were arrogant, they were power hungry, and they claimed themselves as super apostles. And the church in Corinth was falling prey to them. They were being taken advantage by these false super apostles. And this rival group was questioning Paul's authority and credibility as an apostle. You know, they said, oh, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. What does that mean? That means this Paul, oh, he may write very well, but he doesn't speak very well. He's not impressive. He's not deserving to be an apostle. And so Paul responded. In chapter 11, Paul tells the church, you know, in terms of heritage, in terms of overcoming struggles and challenges in life, I am no less than these super apostles. And that's why he goes on to chapter 12. And he begins with a boast. The boast? Yes. Because in those days, if you were regarded as someone high in status, like a teacher, like an apostle, you need to boast about your achievements. You need to show off about your past spiritual encounters. And so the Apostle Paul did the same. He also boasted. He declared that he was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. This was probably when he was still in Tarsus before Barnabas came to help him, to get him to help out in Antioch. And it's really interesting that he spoke in the voice of the third person. Instead of saying, I was caught up to the third heaven, he says, oh, I know of a person in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven. It's like, instead of me saying, oh, I came to Amokyo today to preach, I would say, there is this pastor in charge of a very big church that came to Amokyo to preach. It's a way of telling a story and creating mystery. And the super apostles would have done that in those days. And so Paul was just simply copying their style. But my friends, Paul truly had something to boast about. Because he had a supervision. He was caught to the third heaven, which means he was caught to paradise. And the fact that he was caught up means that he was caught up suddenly. It was unexpected. His body and mind was brought into God's intimate presence. He didn't even know whether he was in body or out of body. He heard inexpressible words. Words that a man was not permitted to speak, which means... There was no human vocabulary that was adequate to express what he heard. Oh, what a powerful vision. What a powerful revelation. And verse 6 tells us that Paul had every right to boast, but he would not. Because he was not interested in boasting. He was only interested in telling about his weaknesses. Paul, you must be crazy. Which one of us here would boast of our weaknesses? Look at Facebook. Look at Instagram. Look at LinkedIn. When you go for a job interview, which of you will say, oh, I'm, I'm not good in this. I'm weak in this. Today, the world boasts of its strength. 
Today the world boasts of what it has. And no, it doesn't have. But Paul boasted of his weakness because it revealed something more. And his weakness was the thorn that he had. The thorn? Yes. Because even though the revelations were great, Paul was kept humble through a thorn in the flesh. Now this Greek word for thorn is scallops, which means something sharp and pointed. It's like a thorn that constantly irritates you. And this thorn was given to him, which means that this thorn was allowed by God. And Paul describes this thorn as a messenger of Satan. And we are reminded of Job, where God permitted Satan to test Job. We are also reminded of Jesus, how he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by Satan. What then, what then may be this thorn in the flesh? First and foremost, this thorn is not intentional sinning without repentance. So you cannot blatantly sin and you know, make no effort to repent and then call this a thorn. No, my friends. But what this thorn can mean is first and foremost, a struggle of the flesh. You know, the early church fathers like Martin Luther and John Calvin has interpreted it this way. So, this fleshy struggle is where the thorn is a desire of your old human nature, your old self. For example, some of you still struggle with anger. Some of you struggle with lust, jealousy, and greed. It's a struggle because you want to do it right. You want to walk right with God. But then you fail. You pick yourself up again, only to fail again. And it's an intense, ongoing struggle. Number two, this thorn could have been a physical illness or condition that Paul had. Some scholars say it's epilepsy that Paul had. And some scholars say that it's an illness that Paul had related to his eye. If you look at Galatians 4, verse 13 to 15, Paul told the church in Galatia that an illness made him preach the gospel to them. And he says that the church in Galatia would gladly tear out their eyes for him. And that suggests that perhaps Paul had a very bad eye condition. And of course, some scholars say that Paul had the condition of a speech impairment. He was not able to speak very well. And so, my friends, a thorn can be a season of illness. It can be a medical condition that you have that no matter how hard you pray, it doesn't go away. You know, I heard Pastor Anthony's sermon last week, excellent sermon on the theology of healing. And he was reminding us that we need to continually seek healing. And that is right. But sometimes the healing doesn't come. And sometimes it remains a thorn in the flesh. Thirdly, this thorn in the flesh can be a, a season of trial and affliction. 2 Corinthians 4.17 tells us, Paul admits that he would face momentary troubles. And if you look at his ministry, he constantly faced trials, persecution, and hardship, often caused by others. And so it is with us. I think our thorns can be a season where it's very challenging. Something happened at home. Something happened to our parents or to our children. Or maybe a very demanding season at work with a very difficult colleague and impossible boss to please. Or maybe a very stressful season or competing demands where you feel very stretched. And therefore you go through mental stress and mental fatigue. That can be a thorn. And so the effect of a thorn is that it makes us weak. And today let me share three discipleship lessons with you. Three discipleship lessons on how we can look at the thorns in our lives, especially when we are weak. 
Number one, my friends, embrace His purposes for your thorns. Do not despise the thorns, for they may be what you need. None of us here want thorns. But sometimes they are exactly what we need. Because the first purpose for a thorn is that it keeps us humble. Paul acknowledges that. That's the first purpose. The thorns serve a purpose to keep Paul humble. Despite the extraordinary revelation he received, the thorn kept Paul pinned down from soaring pride to grounded humility. The thorn brought him face to face with his weakness. Number two, the second purpose I think a thorn can serve is it leads us to surrender. Three times he asked the Lord, Lord, please remove the thorn. Now, three-four repetition doesn't mean that that's the only number of times he prayed. All right. When you see three-four repetition, it means emphasis. It means that he prayed many, many times. There was a deep longing and desperation. He prayed again and again. Like Jesus prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. Definitely more than three times he pleaded with the Lord. But God says no. God says, no, I will not take away the thorn. And the surrender comes when God says, I'm not going to take away that thorn. Not yet. Maybe never. But my grace is sufficient for you as you experience weakness. The thorn compelled Paul to stay close to God, to trust Him, to cannot help but obey Him. This morning, you may have a thorn that is simply unbearable at times. Maybe an illness, an affliction, a condition that you have. Or maybe some of you here, you are living with the consequences of what someone else did. A betrayer. Someone has hurt you so deep. Someone has disappointed you. And that broken heart that you have is like a thorn that brings pain again and again. Some of you will go to God and say, God, why? Why do I have to live with this thorn? Why can't my child be well? Why can't my parents just be independent and healthy? Why is my teenager child so rebellious? Why can't I keep this job? My friends, each thorn is a divine opportunity for deeper surrender. Yes, my friends, you pray for healing. Don't stop doing that. You pray for your thorns to be removed. Don't stop doing that. But you need to come to a place of saying, God, I surrender even when the thorns don't seem to go away. And the final purpose for that thorn is that God invites you to make a decisive choice. A decisive choice. I don't know about you, but sometimes we can become numb to the pricks of thorns because over time, your threshold of pain has gone up. Some of us here have chronic conditions. Like maybe a persistent neck ache. Like for me, I have a, I have a neck ache that stays with me all the time. And only I, when I get very stressed, like coming to Amokyo to preach, then I realize, whoa, the pain is there. And I feel it very bad. And it is with us. Some of us are complacent. We are indifferent. We don't care anymore. We ignore the pricks. We tolerate the pain. But sometimes the thorn is there. Because we don't make decisive choices empowered by God's grace. I remember how a church member really hated her ex-husband because he betrayed her. 
hurt her so bad. He was like a thorn in her flesh that hurt her again, again, and again. But she told me a breakthrough came when she chose to forgive him. Was it any less painful for her? No. Did she not remember the pain? She always remembers. But what, my friends, what she has done is she made a decisive choice to let go and let God. And in that decisive choice of forgiveness, she finds that thorn removed. Some of you today, you need to make that decisive choice. You need to seek God for that wisdom to know what to do. Maybe to have that crucial conversation with someone. Maybe to speak the truth in love. Maybe to forgive someone, to reconcile with someone today, or maybe even to move out of a toxic situation. My friends, may God give you grace to make that decisive choice. But that can be His very invitation for you in the midst of your thorns. And as we embrace God's purposes of surrender, humility, and that decisive choice, I want to lead you to the second discipleship lesson. And that is this, my friends. Discover His strength in your weakness. Our thorns do make us weak, but God's power is made perfect in weakness. We don't want to be weak, but yet it is in our weakness that He promises His grace. There is a divine paradox here because God's grace is that divine strength when we are weak. That is why He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. My wife's name is Grace, so grace is always sufficient for me. But we always focus on the first part. My grace is sufficient for me. But it is the second part that is the key. For my power is made Perfect in my weakness. That's God's grace. God's grace is the strength He gives to you when you are weak. And you will only understand what this strength means when you understand what weakness means. See, the weakness is the Greek word asthenia. Asthenia means you are no longer able to hold it together. It means like you fall apart. You come undone. And nobody likes to come undone we like to hold it together, right? But precisely that's what weakness means. And so my friends, when you do not know what to do, when you are unable to do anything, you feel helplessly vulnerable, when you come undone, that's when God's strength is made perfect. This word perfect here is the Greek word teletia. It does not mean it's flawless. Rather, the word actually translates to accomplishing its purpose, being fully complete, and being fully mature. And so here's the point, my friends. God's strength accomplishes its purpose when you fall apart. Let that be a revelation for you today. It's counterintuitive, it's countercultural, it's a paradox. But God's strength actually achieves its full purpose. It becomes mature, it becomes complete the moment you are completely weak before Him. Because when you come undone, when you have nothing left in you, when you're hopelessly weak, that's when you're more desperate for God like never before. Amen? That's where you're fully dependent on Him. Then guess what? His strength takes over and accomplishes its purpose. Perfect. Perfect. 
Today, don't despise your weakness. Because it is in that weak space that your weakness can be turned into an opportunity to allow His divine, inexplicable strength to take over. Finally, the last discipleship lesson. Pursue His glory through your surrender. Pursue His glory through your surrender. There is a saying that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. I would like to add that God is most glorified when we are most surrendered to Him. God is glorified when His strength comes upon us. You see, sometimes we often focus on the strength. God, give me the strength. Help me out in this situation. God, help me in my weakness. But we forget His glory. And the purpose, if I may say, is that when God's strength comes on you, it's to direct to Him, His glory, not your strength. The focus is not on you, it's on Him. And may that be the posture of our hearts. It reminds me of the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery. We call it kintsugi. Kintsugi is golden joinery. And it's the art of mending broken pottery by filling it with powdered gold. And just, just when you think that a pot is cracked and beyond repair, it is that gold that keeps it together. It is that gold that gives its wholeness and strength. And so my friends, when you are broken, when I'm cracked and when I come apart, it is the gold of God's glory and strength that keeps me together. In Kintsugi art, it's the scars of the pottery that is the beauty. Because it's in the cracked parts that you see the gold. And God's glory is most visible when we are cracked and we choose to show His glory. Today, will you come to God and say, Lord, I'm weak, but when you give me your strength, let me glorify you. Amen? Let me glorify you with the strength. It's not about my strength. It's about your glory. It's not about my ability, but your enablement. Lord, give me the grace to pursue your glory. 2 Corinthians 4.7 tells us that we are like treasure in jars of clay. God puts that treasure in the context of 2 Corinthians 4. That means the gospel. And each one of us is like a jar of clay. We are fragile. We are easily broken. But guess what? When the jar is broken and you see the cracks, then you discover the treasure. You actually see the treasure when that jar is broken with cracks. And you see the glory of God's treasure right there. God is most glorified when we are most surrendered to Him. I recall during COVID, a church member called me out of the blue. And in that conversation, she sounded as if she was very weak. And she told me, Pastor, I only have two weeks left. I'm going to die. And I just sprung up. I said, can I come and visit? But it's COVID. I couldn't come. And she said, just pray for me. And so I prayed for her. That was it. I didn't hear from her for the next three weeks. Three weeks later, she texted me and said, Pastor, please pray for Madam Tan and the bed next door. I was thinking, are you still alive? Obviously, she was. And then she texted me, please remember Madam Lee, she's just down the bed. Then I called her and discovered what happened. She put through. But she now has, has a medical condition that will be like a thorn in her flesh. It will not go away. But this lady got out of bed 
and started going to all the other beds in the ward and started telling her, telling the, the, the fellow patients her story of how she was close to the brink of death and her God, her God saved her. Her God gave her a new lease of life. She may be weak, but the strength came from the Lord and the glory of God came upon that ward. The glory of God came upon the ward in her testimony, in her willingness to point to the power of God to save. So it is with us. We all have thorns. And we find God's strength for our thorns. But let us glorify God by testifying, by pointing to Him that He takes all glory. Amen? And today I pray, first and foremost, the three discipleship lessons, that you will embrace His purposes for your thorns. Yes, we don't want thorns. But sometimes they serve a purpose. That you will discover his strength as you embrace those purposes. That you are not alone. God does not leave you alone, my friends. God gives you every resource, every grace to pull through. And finally, even as you receive the strength, it's not about you. But point to him. As the Apostle Paul did. He gave all glory to God. He boasted of his weakness so that God may take all the glory. So as I close... I have an 18-year-old son. When my son was really young, like a few years old, he really hated haircuts. But you know, the, the, the hair had to be cut because it affects hygiene, it was unruly. And so we had to drag him to the hair salon. And this hair salon that we went to had like Barney on TV and all that to distract the child, but it didn't work. My son would struggle, you know, he would cry. He didn't just cry, he would bawl at the top of his voice. And like his father, he has strong vocal genes. And so the whole mall would hear him crying and crying. And there I had to hold him down. I literally held on to him so that the hairstylist could quickly cut. And for the next 10 to 15 minutes, it, it felt like eternity. You know, the hair would fall onto his face and be stuck there because of his tears and like little thorns. They would prick his face and he would cry even more. And he would be crying, Daddy, no, no, I don't want, I don't want. And I would keep telling him, it's okay, it's okay, Daddy's here. He wasn't the only one crying. His daddy was crying with him. Because you know what? It breaks my heart to see him cry. I wish I could take his place and have my hair cut instead. But that's not how it works. I wish I could tell him, this is just a haircut. You will understand you need it. But he doesn't understand. Maybe one day he will. But will I stop bringing him for a haircut? No. Even though he kicks and screams again, that haircut is necessary. Our Abba Father feels the pain of your thorns. Because our Lord Jesus went to the cross for each one of us. My friends, yet some thorns are not meant to be taken away. Not yet. He knows you and I need it. And someday we will understand why. Someday we will understand why some thorns are necessary. And sometimes that only happens when we get to the other side of eternity. But whatever thorn you wrestle with today, today in your weakness, will you allow God to hold you in His arms and comfort you with His love. 
You know, there's a song that says, God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you can't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. Will you trust his heart? Because of his love. And his love is to hold your heart together even when you come apart. And today you can go to our Abba Father. You can fix your eyes on him. And hear him whisper to you again. I'm here with you. My grace is enough for you. In your cracks, in your brokenness, my glory and my power will shine through. That's my strength for you in your weakness. Trust me, my child. I will be here for you. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come and fill every heart. Give us grace to surrender every thorn to you today. It may be an illness, a condition that we have. And we do not know what the future will look like. We are afraid. We are broken hearted. And we are disappointed. God, we need your grace. Because you promised that your grace is enough. Because you promised, Lord, your strength accomplishes its purpose when we come apart. And sometimes it sure feels like we are coming apart. But Lord, it is your strength that will hold us together. But Lord, we want you to take all glory because all glory goes to you. So let us live our lives with courage. Let us lead our lives with that perseverance, knowing that, Lord, you provide for us. You secure us. You are our Jehovah Jireh. You are all that we need. Give us grace to trust you more and more, to walk in the deeper surrender, and to know that, God, you are always good, even in the valley or the mountaintop, or right in between. God, you are good. And we trust in your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Oh, let your healing touch be upon us for those of us who are brokenhearted. Let your healing grace minister your comfort and love. Set us free from striving, but bring us into deeper surrender. Thank you, Lord. We receive your love and we worship you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.